Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 116, How Corporate Philanthropy Can Grow Your Business. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. And as always, it's wonderful to join you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. And for our first-time listeners, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to take themselves and their companies to the next level of growth and success. So Pam, our regular listeners know that we keep up with emerging trends for being first, fast, and foremost Mm -hmm. in business. And one of the trends we're seeing more as we speak with CEOs is that an increasing number of companies are actually integrating corporate philanthropy into their core business strategies. This goes well beyond corporate giving. That's right. And so whether they're partnering with community organizations to employ the disadvantaged or supporting environmental causes or some other philanthropic purpose, they're seeing impactful results for their companies as well as for the world. That's right. The key, though, is to put this together in a way that stakeholders inside and outside the company can embrace. And then, of course, it's essential to make things happen in a way that's a win for everyone. Sometimes easier said than done, exactly. I suppose, yes. So today, we're glad to welcome back as our guest, Karen Eber-Davis, author of the book, Seven Nonprofit Income Streams, Open the Floodgate to Sustainability. Karen is president of Karen Eber-Davis Consulting, which helps businesses use philanthropy as a propulsion tool to grow their profits and performance. She's known as a catalyst and architect of meaningful income growth. She's also the leading authority on ways that nonprofits and for-profits can engage with each other to create dynamic partnerships. And you can see much more about Karen's bio by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 116, and scroll down under resources. Karen, welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you, Pam. Let's start out talking about some of the latest trends relating to businesses and philanthropy. Now, we're seeing that with governments facing pressure to decrease spending on all types of what they're calling non-essential causes, there are more businesses that are picking up the slack in 2017. What do you see on that? I'm seeing very similar conversations, but what I find is interesting is there's some gap in understanding about the size of this slack, quote unquote, that Mm -hmm. would be picked up by businesses. So tell us more about that. Well, just to give you a big picture, the nonprofit world is about $1.5 trillion a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Businesses are, of the six cash sources nonprofits earn, the smallest. They provide only 1% to 2% of that. Governments provide about 21% of nonprofit. So it's, it's a lot of slack that a yeah. business would yes. even think about picking up, which leads us to how do we leverage what we're doing to create better impact. 
So how, in this environment, as we're talking about it, how have uh, customers and employees and even government expectations changed about how corporate philanthropy figures into the picture of creating benefit in the world and creating benefit for the company? So I think historically, we thought about philanthropy as something nice to do. Right. This is becoming more about something if we want to conduct business, it's essential to do and do well. Mm-hmm. So it's an essential part of functioning as a world. You know, it's not something that's nice to do. And so let's take that a step farther, because I think there have been more changes going on in terms of customers and employees' expectations about corporate philanthropy. How have you seen this change since last year? Um, what I'm seeing is people grasping and recognizing that if they don't act and do something, their employees directly, immediately are going to be really impacted. So let's pick on Meals on Wheels, which has been in the national headlines. Yes. About the yes. Cut. <laughs> um, yes. I'm, I'm an employee of yours. And, and if you have 500 employees, you probably have maybe even 50 people who have either elderly parents or someone who is served by Meals on Wheels. And at midday, you know, they're getting this touch by the community and they're getting this hot meal, mm-hmm. whether they're in your town or whether they're across the country. And all of a sudden this goes away. So your ability to embrace work and be at work goes down. Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean for an employer? How do I keep my employees focused if they've got things pulling them off task? Right. And so, well, how do they? (laughs) Well, that's an interesting question and how we're going to do that. And perhaps we as individual business aren't going to impact everything, but by picking one or two causes that resonate, Mm -hmm. we can do something and then making those have multiple wins. So can I give you an example? Sure, Sure. absolutely. Okay. Um, So an insurance company in town sells in commercial insurance, they have about 500 businesses. They recognize not the, the, the parents pulling employees off task, but when these school days are not the regular school days or it's summer, or um, there's the, the missing the Friday off, like many of us will have this week. Right. Um, what happens to parents of children is there's this distraction going on. So what they've chosen as their cause and their investment area is helping excellent after school and, um, you know, school like camps and things like that and funding them. What they found is, yes, it helps their employees because it helps them to shortlist who's a good provider uh-huh. of these services. But also their 500 customers also have employees with the same challenges. Mm-hmm. So there's another win. So it's a win for our employees. It's a win for our customers, employees. It also acts as this um, a vetting process. There's a million and a half nonprofits. So where would I invest my money? Mm-hmm. Oh, this trusted partner who does insurance relates to money, trust this nonprofit. Therefore, my gifts might follow that as an option. Um, and in this case, this p- piece of um, this specific company, a conversation led to a million dollar gift for a nonprofit. Uh-huh. So it's that kind of, I choose well, to, for my reasons as a business, I see customer benefits, and all of a sudden I see I'm a leader in this. Mm-hmm. Also, of course, employees that care about where they work and a company that is actually giving back to society in some meaningful way is a powerful uh, recruiting tool and attraction Absolutely. and yes. retention as well. 
some some recent research um, from the Case Foundation, who was funded by the AOL founders, said that it's the third reason millennials will choose a, a company. So mm-hmm. number one is what the company does. The second is work culture. And the third is causes it support. It's um, very compelling. And so all of this is going on. And yet one thing that at least we're seeing is that there are still leaders who are trying to figure out how to justify the return on investment of corporate philanthropy. And now you talk about something called return on philanthropy, ROP. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Well, of course, what you could achieve with ROP is endless and very, you know, varied and huge. But what I see is the common returns on philanthropy are improvements to branding, mm-hmm. i.e. getting customers, having people know about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classic, I will put my name on the banner outside the big event. Um, the second is, is this whole, whole employee engagement. Um, mm-hmm. I can solve my employee problems, like we just talked about with the insurance company. And the third is, what kind of place do I want to live in? Um, the clearest is, I believe that every community should have an orchestra because I love music mm-hmm. and I like customers who like music. We have that in common. And that if I want to gather employees in my location, I want the orchestra to be here. So that could be a, a shaping the community kind of approach. So okay. those are returns. So the data shows individuals who give money actually improve their wealth. So as an individual, if I do this, but the company data also shows positive, but it's not as clear. My interpretation of why it's not as everyone's lumped together. It's not showing people who are being strategic and how it impacts your bottom line, not short-term, but a long-term process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so having that clarity about how it all fits with what you're trying to do as far as growing your company is a very important thing. And we're going to talk about that in the second segment. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Karen Eber Davis about how companies can increase their return and growth through corporate philanthropy. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum in their companies to accomplish game-changing results. Does this topic resonate with you? Check out related episodes to expand your perspectives and take away even more immediately actionable ideas. Just go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 116, and scroll down to resources. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly alert of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. We're talking with Karen Eber Davis about how corporate philanthropy can help you grow your business at the same time you're doing good. And you can find out more in the resources section for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com and selecting 116. Karen, can you tell us how people can find out more about you and your book 
and all kinds of things you offer. Sure. I'm at kedconsult.com or even just Google Karen Eber Davis. It should come right up. And I have a book that's called, an ebook, Can Philanthropy Actually Help Your Bottom Line? And I'll be providing you a link and a free copy for people for the next 30 days, Pam. And it's an excellent resource, Karen. I encourage listeners to download this. So let's go back to our conversation. We were talking before the break about return on philanthropy. You have a very particular way that you look at this, and I know it starts with strategy. How does strategy fit into increasing a company's ROP in your experiences? Strategy is the starting place. Again, we talked about this numerous opportunities, even if 1.5 million nonprofits aren't going to call you, you can easily have two or 300 contacting you or might already have that. Mm-hmm. So my argument on strategy is you should start selfish. Start selfish. What is it that you care about? What is okay. it that would help your company? Let's uh, expand on that. What What's a great example of starting selfish and being strategic about it? I'm looking to solve my business challenges. Mm-hmm. How can I do that in a way that also benefits the community? Okay. So the, counterintuitively, starting selfish is about why I would stay in for the long term. Why in the fall of time someone would say, of course they're in this business. Of course uh. they're helping this nonprofit. Again, you can easily separate your personal giving and do it for totally internal reasons that you love and has nothing to do with your business. But if you're doing it for the corporation, I would argue start with your needs. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have a story that you can uh, share with us about a company that did that? Sure. One of my favorite stories is about Southwest Airline and a group called Opportunity Village. If you ever fly into Denver... On Southwest, you, if you're coming from the East Coast like me, the first thing you do is you find the bathrooms. And you will notice in Denver at the airport is that every employee there is maybe um, a little different. They're developmentally disabled. And so what Southwest has found by working with a nonprofit is that they can have their bathrooms kept very well, but also they can support people who need jobs who wouldn't be able to necessarily get jobs in the regular part of the world because of their disabilities. The, another piece of this to take for people who are concerned, for instance, having cleaning crews do security right. Right. Um, at night, um, if you can work with your local nonprofit, you could find cleaning crews often, perhaps who are people who are developmentally disabled, Um, What Opportunity Village has done is they create crews, and one person is the star at the garbage cans and getting those cans emptied, and another person is the star of doing the vacuuming. Where that leads to is this opportunity for people to be employed. They are low security risk, um, and that they love their jobs. There's no turnover. That's very interesting that you mentioned that, Karen, because so many CEOs that I've been speaking with talk about how difficult it is to find talent. And here you've, you have a company that is actually creating that talent and solving their issues, too. I mean, it's, it's a mm-hmm. wonderful win-win. And fitting mm-hmm. the right people with the need that other people might not be attracted to. No, I mean, most of us wouldn't want those jobs, but if you are someone who understands how important it is that garbage is collected every day, mm-hmm. and that's where your skill level is, and you do that really well, 
you have a lot of pride and it really helps the community. Okay, so it really takes some different thinking to uh, create opportunities like this. We're talking about innovation. And so applying innovation to uh, return on philanthropy is another thing you talk about. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, in this case with the Southwest and the Opportunity Village story, that's replicable across the country. Right. But many times the, the model you might look at, because there are a lot of models you could start following that helps narrow down what you might do, might be already taken. So CVS, for example, if you remember about, about a year and a half ago, um, stopped selling cigarettes. Right. And what happened is they began to see themselves as a health encouraging organization. So they lost sales from the cigarettes, but they began to increase sales from other parts of their business, which got turned the ROI into a positive thing. Okay. Um, but if you were Walgreens, you probably don't want to go down the same road. You want to find a way to express your corporate philanthropy that's fresh. Ah. So you might want to change that. Um, those, those snacks that you check out at Walgreens or other places, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is mine, mm -hmm. and okay. put something healthy there and say, you know, we're the company where you can shop with your kids and make sure they get something healthy rather than candy. Okay, so how can companies that want to go down this route uh, generate the more innovative thinking that helps them come up with the ideas that create good for the company and, and for society? Two things, look at the infrastructure of other successful ideas mm -hmm. and then get with a likely nonprofit partner and move towards how can we do this together? What stuff is here that no one has touched? Where are we have assets that aren't being used? Okay, so building on that, you also talk about what you call smart tactics. Can you tell us what you mean by this and how this works into that return on philanthropy? Sure. So you, you start with the strategy, which is where you want to go, your overall plan of how you're going to tackle this opportunity. Right. You figure out some innovative way to do it. If you don't do good tactics, uh, you might be helping somebody else <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or causing things. Um, employers need often, they want something that is uh, low work and low risk. Right. Um, and so making ways that you're not going to suddenly open up your email tomorrow and have 500 requests from 500 nonprofits mm -hmm. uh, it would be important. So doing that well, it takes a lot of tweaking um, and thinking about it. It's not mm -hmm. just the write the check and go away. Right. And of course, the other thing is that too often, at least, I've seen people enter into the tactics because they're easy. You know, it's it's the tactical kinds of things are easy to do. They don't require as much thinking. And then they have to work backwards and go, now, what was I doing this for? Yeah, so you have, to, you have to link the tactics to the strategy, to engaging the people who are actually going to pull it off. And all of those things, they fit together. And it's, it takes thought and real design to do it well. And that's what you're saying, I, I assume. Yeah, I'd say we all want the end result, but most of us don't like the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the strategy really is the fastest way to get to the end results. Okay, so we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Karen Eber Davis about ways you can start exploring to maximize your company's return on philanthropy in this new environment. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. 
on the web at businessadvance.com. We want to thank those of you out there who've reviewed and rated our podcast series on iTunes so more people can find us. But sometimes people have told us that they're not quite sure how to do it. It's not intuitively obvious. So I've created a short video that removes the mystery from the process. Go to growthignitersradio.com and look over at the sidebar on the right of the page and you'll see a headline, Subscribe to Growth Igniters Radio. Click on the blue button underneath that that says How to Review Growth Igniters Radio in iTunes and you'll open up an 84-second video that shows you everything you need to know. And thanks again for helping spread the good word about our podcast. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're talking today with Karen Eber Davis about new ways for-profit companies can partner with nonprofits to grow their businesses. Karen, can you tell us again how people can download your ebook? Sure. Um, you can go to Pam and Scott's Growth Igniters Radio Spot, <laughs> and they'll have a link for you. <laughs> but if you can't find that, you can come to my website at Karen Eber Davis, um, and right now it's on available. Um, it's also available on Amazon. And of course, you can find out more about Karen by going to growthignitersradio.com, selecting episode 116, and scrolling down to resources. So let's go to the immediately useful ideas section of this episode. It's great to have great ideas, but you have to put them into action. How could you have an immediately useful idea for maximizing ROP in this new environment? Okay, so one thing you can do is start with nonprofits that you know. If you're a member of a chamber, but even better, an association that supports your business. Mm -hmm. Are there any nonprofit members? They get that businesses are good partners. So they're already kind of tuned in to the right place. Hmm. So they would be affiliate members, perhaps? Depends on how your association rules come. Maybe they just come to meetings whenever they're allowed. So uh, making sure that you write those down and maybe even speak with the person who is the executive director of the association. And have a coffee. Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're thinking strategically, of course, one of the first things is to come up with what outcome do I want to accomplish and how can I better accomplish that outcome by working in a philanthropic way or collaborating with a nonprofit? So here's a smart tactic, too. I'd have that coffee with that likely person, mm -hmm. uh, CEO of the nonprofit, and I would say, this is my goal, and ah. I know it's not the amount I give, it's what my gift does. Right. How can we leverage some gifts? So I'm, I'm also coming to the table with cash, a little bit of cash to try. Okay. So the thing we were talking about earlier about innovation and coming up with new ideas, what is a down-to-earth tactical approach that someone can take to spark innovation and get those ideas out on the table so you can begin to figure out how are we going to actually make them work? So here's a non-business, higher-risk approach. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're sitting with coffee and you say to the CEO, what is your hardest problem? You know, what is it that, you, and they'll say money, because mm -hmm. that's, that's what a nonprofit does say, even though they're nonprofit. <laughs> uh, yep. But then you say, no, what, no, if you had money, what is it that you would do? You know, what, what kinds of things? Um, every nonprofit seems to have something that 
catches them up. Ah. So you want to take that and bubble that, maybe even that at that point or on the way back and saying, how could we do something together that solves that problem or helps improve that situation for them? Okay, so just to clarify, now you're at the point where you're sitting, uh, if I'm the CEO of a for-profit company, I am going out to coffee with the CEO or the executive director of the nonprofit to ask that question? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So or they're, uh, they're in your office. They're happy to come and do that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. Right. But the idea being this uh, idea of really going deeper, it sounds like, and not just having a superficial conversation. Correct. Most nonprofits will will tell you what their most appealing need is. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the real benefit is to dig in. So, so one group of um, company I'm working with has employees who they're really working on retention. Right. And um, so what we're doing is having them work with the passion of the business owners, which is um, helping children and finding ways that this t- technology could be used to make their staff recruitment and serving children work better. So is there some way that technology can solve some of the challenges to make turnover less? That mm-hmm. makes any sense. Okay. So it's, it it's, in that case, it's, it, the, the project is, is more of in kind, but it's helping employees have a hard problem that they know benefits families. So it's getting to that trust level where people are being open and they're building on a conversation instead of just the superficials. I can't emphasize that enough. It's easy to miss an opportunity if you stay superficial. Or defensive. I know they're going to ask me for more money, and I don't want to get into that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, this is great. And so you talk about, again, the tactics, the smart tactics. What would you say is an actionable step that could help leaders bring their tactics to the next level for this purpose? You've got the great idea. Now, how how do you actually pull it off? <laughs> Help, you know. How can, how can you start as simple as possible? Yeah. Um, right. I think this is the date don't marry recommendation. Ah, okay. um, and, and, you know, you want to try that. Many nonprofits do wonderful work, but not all of them are managed in ways that will help you do your business. Okay. One of the complaints I hear is from people who are doing sponsorships is they don't do, after I give them the money, they disappear. So, <laughs> you, oh know, my gosh. so you, you need to do dating before you get married. Okay. So is there a first sign that things are going well and that you should keep on going? Is there a signpost? That it's okay or that... Uh, maybe it's not. Or maybe it's not. Well, I think, Pam, one of the um, ideas I love from you is you look before you start and say, what are the, the things that I want minimum? What are the things I want maximum? What right. would be a medium yes. return? Right. And are you seeing that? Are you are you being part of an event where everyone invite you invite your customers and they invite their donors and you have this great evening? Did you leave that evening having touched 10 of your customers and meeting five people? This is not bottom line yet, Mm -hmm. but it's signs of bottom line. It's Mm -hmm. what we call critical success factors. That's right. Well, it's it's the milestones. It's the checkpoints. Right. Uh, It guides you to where you're trying to go. Interim outcomes. That's right. So ultimately, what does this take us to? What are some final thoughts? Meaningful business philanthropy drives success because it means you graduated to what's my bigger purpose mindset. Right. And, and you're moving into that sphere. And 
you begin to say, it's not, you know, can I make money, but can I make a difference? I like that. Karen, thank you so much for being our guest again. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Karen. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation with Karen Eber Davis, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, read her bio, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 116. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss. How can we start to create more good in the world and grow our business? by taking a new approach to corporate philanthropy. Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.